Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, no longer in her dungeon, <laughs> and no longer drinking wine, it is the blonde yeah. bombshell herself, Ann Carrigan. Oh, good evening, good evening. Yes, good. I'm here with my cucumber melon water. Up uh, in my shower. How disgusting. It's, in your shower? In my, no, in my tower. Oh. I'm sorry, I'll turn my princess voice off. <laughs> I, I, yes. I've never heard of anyone taking a shower during the show, but you know, nope. I wouldn't put it past us. I, uh, no, I think it would be awkward. I think it would be awkward and really loud. Probably a bad idea. But. Yeah. No wine drinking. Yep. John says it must be the end of the world for Ian. True. It is, but I'm making do. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so tonight we stepped into the power of Villa Venturas, ghost seances and tales of true hauntings. So without further ado, let's talk to the purveyor of the paranormal herself in the most curator of the bizarre and semi-bizarre follow Victoria <laughs> who is in her dungeon and is drinking wine killing me <laughs> you guys just you guys just killed me good we're right into a coughing pit <clears throat> and her name yeah. is Varla Ventura Whatever you're saying, I'm not quite sure what it is. But anyways. It's really tough when you don't have wine, isn't it? It is. Makes me cranky. So in disciplinary uh, mode. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be back on the show. Love your show. Uh, We love you. Thank you. Yes. For for years you've been. The tea kettle. You can hear that, you know, that's the other side of the house. Yes. Ever since they put those tubes in your ears, you're like bionic ears now. (laughs) I hear everything. You're sneaking nothing by me. Well, yeah, I better be careful, you know, like. Never mind. Moving yeah. on. What else you're doing? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Keep, keep it under uh, wraps, Ron. No, no yes. muttering under your breath. <laughs> <laughs> so, can we get back to Vala, please? Yes. Please. Right. <laughs> yes. Anyways, so I, I've, I've been lucky enough to uh, work with Vala many times uh, to uh, the show and, and other things. And uh, she, of course, wrote Beyond Bizarre and The Book of Bizarre, which are like two of my favorite books. And now she has a, a really awesome one called Vala Ventura's Paranormal Power. I love that. Paranormal Power. And I love the cover. I love the cover. Me really? Too. 
It's got a little all-seeing eye right in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. You, yes, you have to look closely. There's a lot of little um, sneaky, magical things in the in the cover. Yes. If you if you keep looking at it, you there's will a, yeah. buy more books. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little there's a sun that looks like a Masonic symbol. And it looks like there's the a planchette. I'm just going to cover the book online. Oh, and it looks like there's the a little planchette on top of that. Am I right? Or am I? Yeah, there's like a little embossed sort of um, sun thing yeah. kind of down mm. on the bottom by the, by the name, like a little medallion. Yeah. Right. I think it's embossed. I mean, you probably can't tell it online, but I think it actually kind of shines a little. And then on top of the um, on top of that is a little inset of like a moon, so it's a circular moon. Oh, that it's a moon. Thing. Yeah, oh. and then there's an eye on the spine. So that's, oh, I can't see that. <laughs> can't see wow. the eye on the spine, but you will soon because you should really have your your copy in, in hand. So it's I'm possible. So excited. Enjoy the magical yeah. mystery tour. Yes. <laughs> By the way, I was the model for the guy on the cover. I just want uh-huh. you to know that. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Well, you are in the book. You have a wonderful story in the book. Uh, Ron Kolick's Pot House. <laughs> Pot House? You say Uh-oh. that so lovingly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We had a, uh, I was actually talking with someone earlier today, and he, he was asking, you know, how did you select the stories? Like, how did you get you know, the stories, and what was the process like? And and I was saying how lucky I was because uh, everyone that I asked to contribute, not only were they willing to contribute, but they were willing to actually tell me the story. So I made phone calls or sat down with somebody and, and had them tell me the story, you know, kind of firsthand. And then I took notes and then I typed it up and then sent it back and said, is this even close to what you just told me? And, um, <laughs> So that allowed me to have just uh, just really experience the story on another, you know, just as a as an audience member of this and all of these marvelous storytellers. You know, Jeff Belanche contributed a story. Ron contributed a story. Um, they were just incredible. Uh, a lot incredible. of guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Several people contributed. It was really really fun, and um, you know, it, it's hard to capture really capture when someone's telling you a fantastic story. Um, but I felt lucky that I had the chance to get to hear them and then try and convey my own excitement and enthusiasm for the subject and the, um, you know, the person who had contributed. So, yeah, you did a great job. And, and, uh, I, I really give you credit because I mean, I'm not the best storyteller, so, oh, I break to differ, actually. <laughs> I think that's quite, uh, I think that once you start telling a story, if it's a story like this, you knew what story you were going to tell me beforehand. Mm-hmm. And you told, you said, you told me that you had told at least parts of the story before. So you were very comfortable telling it. But then after you actually told me like three other like short tidbits of stories that I, you know, it was like, I, I want, I want more story. I mean, it was, it was great. <laughs> mm-hmm, and I'm just so happy. I'll, I just, I'm sure you've talked about it already, but you, your, um, your forthcoming project, I, I got lucky enough to be an early reader of it. I don't know if you know that or not, but, um, After you your editor sent it 
Yeah, yeah. And so I got a sneak peek, and it's fantastic. So I cannot. When is that going to be out, Ron? You like to watch, don't you? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's going to be out October 1st. October 1st. Oh, okay. Just in right. time for Halloween. Perfect. 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 I suggested they send us on like a sort of a paranormal tour together. Oh, I would but, love um, that. Nobody was really too into that. Uh, really? That would be awesome. <laughs> if I paid my own way, they'd be into it. <laughs> <laughs> just fly me to New England. That's, sure. That'll, that'll cover it. We'll Perfect time of year. Yeah. yeah. Hey. Come yeah. on up here in October. Oh, Perfect well, time to show here. you things you'd never dreamed of. Ah, uh, yep. You'll be yeah. dreaming of things you wish you can't unsee. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, Stephen hey. Scott wants to know if the electricity from the fingers uh-huh. of the magician on the cover. I mean, Ron. Uh, uh, Ron on the cover. Ron, he has more hair than you, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry he doesn't. I will, I will <laughs> bet you a thousand dollar eels on that one. <laughs> Well, Stephen Scott wants to know if the electricity that's flying from the man's fingers is a nod to Tesla. Oh, so this is actually, I believe that this was taken from um, uh, the the person who is depicted in this. This was an old poster, Mm -hmm. and um, it was an American magician named Harry Keller. And the um, image was a promotional poster for some sort of show that he had. This was during the same era of Houdini and other sort of like stage um, stage performers who often, you know, especially during that time, you know, the teens and the 20s and the 30s, they were very, uh, it wasn't always separate from, you know, magic with a K and, and magic uh, as a stage performance, they weren't always as separate. And so you had a lot of the mystic arts and the sort of the Oracle and the Ouija board. And there was a lot of crossover with those kind of parlor games. Mm-hmm. So I think the image is supposed to be his, um, his sort of like ability to levitate. And that's supposed to represent, you know, the, the magic that's coming out of his, uh, out of his fingers. And so it's adapted from that, uh, old promotional poster for a show of his, yeah. which is quite, we had, uh, as Spiracus, we had, uh, we, a lot of, we have a lot of magicians friends and, yeah. uh, they did the, uh, Madame electric electric chair, uh, there at Spiracus, which is fun. And they did do a lot of, and the fact they do a lot of things like red light seances and other stuff. So it's, it yeah. all crosses yeah. right over. And, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, if I, if I, I just have to say that if I didn't even know what was in this book, I would have to pick it up just because of the cover. So awesome. Yeah, I would. I when I saw it, I almost cried because you know I didn't know exactly what they were going to do, mm-hmm. and all my other book covers I loved instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was designed by a different, the cover was designed by someone different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always just this part of you as an author, you're just afraid. And I had seen the interior and had gone through the interior design and was allowed to say if I really, really didn't like anything, most everything I loved. There's a lot of little images inside, just like with the both of the books of the Bazaar and the Mermaid book and the Banshee, you know, lots of little spot art throughout. And... Um, there were only a couple of things really that I didn't, I didn't like the, the image that the designer had chosen. And, and they let me kind of weigh in on that. Mm-hmm. I, th- I was careful about how much I, I, I said I didn't like, 
<laughs> when I saw the cover, I would never have suggested or even dreamed or imagined the cover, but I could not imagine a more perfect cover and have oh, to have no. it represent kind of the whole essence of the book and the whole idea of this like spirit communication it's a little bit light and a little bit campy but also very serious and very mystical and and then the color is just this incredibly deep green color that is just beautiful and it goes so well with all the other books and yet it looks so different so I was very like I said I I pretty much I pretty much cried and then I, I was immediately like I need that in poster form yeah, <laughs> like, I, want, I want a poster of that on my wall. Just absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Frame it, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Totally. How long did it take you to write this book? Um, from beginning to end, it took me the better part of a year. Some of the some of the pieces that uh, developed were I had written about prior. I did a series with Wiser Books that was called the Paranormal Parlor Book Series. And they were little excerpts of old stories, ghost stories, old kind of collections of magic tricks and things like that. And um, so I had researched some of these people in that process that I wanted to include in the book and a few of the stories. And so I kind of discovered a few things. So some of that had been previously um, sort of the blueprint had been laid so to speak. But as far as actually writing it and putting it all together, I do remember my deadline. Um, I think my original deadline was like two months before when I actually turned it in. What happened is I got, you know, three or four months into writing it. And I pretty much immediately called the publisher up and said, I'm definitely going to need more time because it wasn't going as quickly. And I think, you know, Ron, you could speak to this. One of the hardest things is keeping within the word count so you it's easy to either go way over or <laughs> stay way under but I had you know my editor called me up and said I I I, I could tell by her voice you know, she started out saying how much she loved it but I could tell something was coming and uh -oh. she said you're like 15,000 words over <gasps> and you know what had happened I read my contract wrong I had read my contract wrong oh, I no. read my contract once and it said, what I thought it said was 65,000 words. And I thought, oh, how am I going to get to that? Most of my other books were like 45,000. Well, lo and behold, it was also 45,000. And I had seen the 65 somewhere. And so I didn't have to all, you know, all of it. But um, I ended up just removing a whole chapter, which was fine. It was a chapter that fit nicely. It was all about dream work and dreams and lucid dreaming. And there were a couple of, there was this really, really weird story about <laughs> a, a, a Punch and Judy puppet murder Ooh. that oh. acted out through, so this person dreams that they're at this puppet show and in this puppet show, there's this punch and Judy kind of murder scene mm -hmm. and they're dreaming it. And it's this, this, it, you know, it turns out the dream is a premonition oh. and it's just really, really weird. And it wasn't that long. It was just this really weird kind of short story. And around that I had built um, some other stories about, you know, strange dreams and people communicating with dreams. And uh, I had quite a bit, you know, there, obviously I had a, pretty much a whole chapter and I discussed it with my editor and, you know, she just, she said, your best bet 
is to is probably to just cut a chapter because trimming a little bit from each section is going to be very very difficult right. and so um at first i was going to cut the last chapter which is all death customs and i really didn't want to cut that chapter because there's oh, such no. great stuff sin eaters and walkers and all of these kind of like bizarre things that i wasn't totally familiar with do you know what a sin eater is yes, no i don't i do I don't. Oh, all right. Tell, tell. Ahead, I'm sure there's plenty of other people that don't. Well, best. and there's lo- I didn't until I read until I happened upon this old um, book of Welsh funeral customs, as one does, and um, <laughs> and I found this term. And then once I had found that term, I actually spotted it in a couple other books and found a couple of public domain stories that mentioned it so what it was is it um you know once upon a time you would have a funeral and there would be sometimes it was a family member but most often it was a it was a person who was paid to be the sin eater just as if you know someone who was paid to dig the grave and it was usually someone who was kind of on the like outskirts of society and they would come along and they would eat of a loaf of bread that was laid upon the chest of the corpse oh and they would eat the bread, and by doing so, they were eating the sins of that person and absorbing the sins so that then they could go on to the afterlife sin-free. And that <laughs> led me to this fantastic, just a bunch of different stories about um, funeral customs involving, of course, we serve food at funerals. That's a natural thing. And when people, when people pass away, you know, we start just supplying the family with casseroles or, you know, which is... Right. Food and death go together, actually. They do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but to eat off the coffin, directly off the coffin, as if it were a table, that was a new concept that I <laughs> hadn't really thought of. I thought, that sounds fun. Like, that, not, not that I want to go to, you know, but I thought that would be a hilarious thing to make people do at your own funeral. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's a good idea. You want some of this chocolate cake? Yeah, you gotta eat it right off the lid of my coffin. Oh my Come on. God. Right up. Here's your forks. Where they would take a cook a very good meal. It would be actually a very excellent meal, and they would uh, invite a one of the low casts in town, like the the outcasts, and they would come in and, and eat the the very good because they would have to give them good food in order to you know to say okay, see we we're doing really good for you, so you suck down yes. those sins and we'll be good. So there's yes. different variations of it, but yes, yeah, I found I found some examples of something very similar where when it when someone when someone who was a well-to-do member of society and an important person in the village, they they would um, serve that food. Sometimes it would be off of their own coffin. Sometimes it would just be, you know, at this church or this gathering place. And they would have to provide um, they would have to provide this food for the people around them as as sort of an offering to the rest of the the poppers so to speak so yeah so they kind of kind of opposite where you it was like the opposite of a potluck right it's like right. And it was yeah. a way <laughs> you were an important person he was saying yes even in death he's looking after us the mayor still cares about his people or mm-hmm. you know it was kind of a a class thing so yeah a lot of interesting things like that so for obvious reasons so many talking points in there I didn't want to cut that chapter. Like, I had, have you ever heard, we've all heard the term spade money, right? 
Mm -hmm. Oh, let me just get some spade money. It's like kind of a spare cash or a little extra money or money that you've stashed aside for, you know, gambling or whatever, (laughs) whatever, whatever, fancy. You know, Ron, yeah, Ron putting it in the um, G strings of his favorite, um, (laughs) you know, things like that. (laughs) (laughs) And so, but, but it, and the reason I was thinking of this is because of the idea of like making that offering that the, that the deceased would essentially be making an offering to the community or the deceased family. And uh, what it comes from is that grave diggers, before they would start digging their grave, used to hold their spades out, and people would throw money into the spade as a sort of a payment. Oh. There you go. And then, if you didn't make your offering, he might shake his spade at you, which was considered a curse of bad luck or illness. Wow. That is good. I had never heard of that. (laughs) <laughs> you hang around with Bali, you'll learn so much. I know. More stuff than you'll ever want to know. <laughs> like or I said, things you can't unlearn. <laughs> yeah. I so, love it. Any, anyways, I've actually came across an interesting story in the book. And I, I, I'm hoping that you remember it, because I know there's a lot of stories in here. And it's called Sex Before Duty. Of course oh, you did. Yes. Of course oh, yes. you did. I don't even need to flip to that page. I know exactly what you're it, talking about. It just about. automatically opened up to that. I can't <laughs> Yeah, all right. Yeah, sure it did, Ron. Okay. Do you want to go into that one a little bit? Because I, I found to. that interesting. It's a fascinating story. So there was a woman named Ida Craddock. And she was a, you know, uh, I believe this was in the late 1800s. I don't have the exact year. But it was during the time in which Anthony Comstock, was um, the suppression of moral vice. And this was his mission, was basically to suppress anything that he thought was immoral, and that was especially sex and sex education. Okay. He uh, Here's this woman, her name is Ida Craddock, and she was um, in her mid-30s when she started publishing pamphlets that enlightened women as to what to expect on their wedding night. Oh. Now, think of this as Victorian times. I mean, you were basically expected to loosen your corset, lay back, and just, you know, bite Go down and just let ride. it happen. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't have any FCC compliance issues, right? No, no, no. <laughs> <at all. laughs> I would have been shut down a long time ago. <laughs> so... Um, so sex education, I mean, by our, by our standards today, if you read this pamphlet, I mean, she never actually says any sort of what we would consider lewd or graphic words right. by today's standards. But, but the mere fact that she was educating women and talking about sex was enough to have her persecuted quite uh, vigorously by Anthony Comstock himself. He had made it a mission to basically bring her down and what she was doing she was she was publishing these pamphlets and women could write and send their dollar and they would get these pamphlets mm. so um eventually eventually ida was um was persecuted and arrested by anthony comstock and was um sent to jail and was basically given two options you can uh, declare your, that you are insane and you will live the, your remaining years in the asylum. That was kind of like what was coming for her because she was a, of a fairly 
good family. So her, she wasn't necessarily going to just end up in like some crummy old jail. You know, they were going to send her to this <laughs> asylum. God knows what was going on there. Right. And then she took her own life. And she was about 35 years old, and she left two letters, one to her mother, an apology, and two to Anthony Comstock himself. And it's a scathing letter about how for over five years he persecuted her. And, um, you know, it's, it's really quite dramatic. She just did not let him off the hook. You, my blood is on your hands. You know, you're wow. the reason I'm hanging from uh. this rug. So... But the, the reason she's included in the book is not just because she's obviously a total badass, but where she falls into the sort of the spiritualist movement and the kind of turn of the, of the 19th and 20th century, or turn of the 20th century, late 19th century um, movement in which it was becoming very common to have a paranormal parlor, to experiment with spirit boards. The Fox sisters were traveling around doing their wrappings. You know, there were charlatans. There were legitimate mediums. There were people of all kinds. It was, it, was, it was happening in the White House. People were, it was very common for people to um, become part of this movement that believed that not only was there um, an afterlife, but that the, that the dead could choose to communicate with us. She claimed that all of her knowledge, she was not married herself. She claimed that she was a virgin mm -hmm. and that all of her knowledge on the marriage bed came from her marriage to an angelic being named Soft. And <laughs> that he visited her regularly and enlightened her to the ways to, uh, of how to, essentially how to please a man. This is Yes. And um, she was... Uh, I believe it was quite, quite, it might have been while she was still alive, at least some overlap. But because of this aspect of her writing, she wrote something called Heavenly Bridegroom. So she wrote these sex pamphlets, and then she had other essays that she wrote that were more along the spiritual and metaphysical lines. Aleister Crowley actually read her work, especially Heavenly Bridegrooms. He reviews it in the Equinox and says that, her knowledge shows from the best that he could tell that she had actually had contact with some kind of angelic being, some kind of other heavenly being, because he was all about that. And he thought she was completely legit. He even made her like an honorary we fourth got, degree at OT. Oh, hang on. Oh, Don, got it. You listen to Ghost Chronicles, Next Generation, and I get distracted. We'll be right back. Oh. After the phone. Hello, hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the ghost box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Thank you. 
feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ann and our very special guest this evening, Varla Ventura and her paranormal parlor. And we were talking just before the break about uh, one of the chapters in her new book, The Paranormal Parlor, of course, and uh, I would have to find the, uh, the little pamphlet that this young lady wrote, and I was enthralled with it because I didn't realize I was doing all that stuff wrong. <laughs> But your wife didn't know. <laughs> Somebody knew. Did you? Were you able to finish your thoughts, or not? do you even remember what your thoughts were, as you were saying before I interrupt you because I missed? Oh the no, I think I, I think I shoved it in there. Uh, 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 I, I was just saying oh, that God. she was um, the, that Crowley then went on to make her like an honorary forest degree. Um, member of the OTO, which is pretty high up and to just be sort of made. So she was sort of legitimized through him in terms of her spiritual work mm-hmm. and in terms of her, you know, work for women's rights. She's, she's widely unknown actually. I mean, there are people who know of her, many of them through, uh, you know, through Alistair Crowley or through the, the OTO, but, um, and that's actually how I found out about her. I read something that I read a, uh, uh, an essay that Vera Chappelle had, had written about her, and then he uh, wrote a whole book about it. So, wow. Yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in, about it's her. It's really interesting. Yeah. I love stories from uh, the Victorian era like that, and uh, yeah. it's, just, it's just such such a crazy time. And, you might have uh, to get her. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> Uh, no, there was just those, I mean, think about how much was going on in the Victorian era and things they were discovering and evolution and, uh, just, just, uh, mechanization and, and it's just crazy. They they were actually pretty naughty. Uh, they would, they had things like, uh, naughty, naughty, naughty. Especially in Paris. They had like bowls (laughs) and, and glasses and, and, uh, uh, goblets that, uh, the, at the very bottom of there were uh, uh, racing ladies' scenes. ankles. Yeah, racing scenes, scenes of ladies' yeah. ankles. <laughs> racing scenes, racing scenes on the bottom, and and when you finished it, it, it came up. It was like, oh yeah, oh my so, goodness. Yeah, they, yes, they had a uh, they had another side, but in this book, 
power of paranormal. Um, there's also a chapter for you, Anne. All right. There is. A segment for you, and it's called 13 to Die for Haunted Cemeteries. Oh, I need to hear about that. What's up with yeah. that? Yeah, you're a you're a cemetery tripper, so you'll yes, appreciate it. Well, yes. you know, it's actually I had to just pick thirteen because of course there are hundreds of haunted cemeteries, but thirteen just seemed like a good number, you know. It was Perfect. kind of just there's a section of the book that includes um some haunted places, hotels, cemeteries and um uh, asylums and abandoned hospitals. Those are all kind of in the same in the same section. So let me see if there are any New England ones here or ones that you have been to. We have... One of my favorites is in there, though. Is it in New Orleans? Let's see. No, it is Baltimore Cemetery in Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, that's one of your favorites. Interesting. The Stoll Cemetery in Kansas City, Missouri is sometimes fondly referred to as the Gates of Hell. Ah, yes. It's damned and the seventh gate to hell. Mm -hmm. The devil himself is said to roam the grounds. Other characters known to hang around this haunt include the devil's child, a boy yeah. werewolf, and a witch. Yes. I mean, how could you go wrong? It's not all cast. It's got it all. We can't forget that the Pope diverted his plane so we wouldn't have to fly over that when he oh, was visiting. Did he? That. I did not know that. Oh, yes, yes, that's, <laughs> that's how devilish it is. My one of my favorites, um, hmm. uh, especially now that I live out in the in the prairies uh, and I no longer live in San Francisco, is that um, the in in Dismet where the um, Ingalls clan, the Lord Ingalls Wilder clan. Uh -huh. uh, where they're buried, there it's like her mother Charles, uh, uh, her fa her parents Charles and Caroline, and then her three sisters and uh, the infant son that she and Almanzo, Laura Ingalls and uh, Wilder and Almanzo had had that then passed away. They're all buried in the same uh, cemetery. Laura and Almanzo were buried somewhere else in Mansfield, Missouri. But they're the most of the the family and the cast of characters we know from reading the books are buried in the Dismet Cemetery. So I figured that. I knew that. I knew about the homestead. You can go out there. You can, you know, rent a, a, a wagon for the night and sleep in it. Sweet. But what I didn't know really? is that it's supposed to be haunted and that many people have seen um, specters and seen a lot of unexplained lights out there in that cemetery, Dismet Cemetery. So I have yet to actually go there. That's on my bucket list of kind of the Midwestern bucket list. Um, but I, I just thought, Oh, look at that. The angles are still at it. <laughs> That's <laughs> cool. Maybe you can hear pause fiddle as you walk by. I mean, how cool is that? <laughs> Good night, John boy. <laughs> Wrong show. Wrong oh, show. Oh, well. <laughs> so what's, what, what, what was like one that you really, really enjoyed in that book? I know there's tons of good stuff, but one of them that really caught your fancy. Just a story in general or a specific content Anything, play? really. Anything you want to talk about, that's fine. Whatever tickled your fancy. Well, my favorite part of the book, and kind of to me, the part that could have turned into a whole book in and of itself, is sort of what we were touching on, not just with Ida Craddock, but with some of the other the spiritualist movement and the role of women during that time and the role of women in the spiritualist movement and psychic arts. 
and how the psychic arts actually provided a way out for women from some of the other confines of, you know, housewife, prostitute, marrying <laughs> up, you know, barmaid. There weren't a lot of options for you. Teacher, you could become a teacher. Yes. But sure. you were only expected to do that until you got married. And yeah. then you, and you just couldn't do it anymore. And then you were supposed to just, you know, you were supposed to be a dutiful wife. And so there were two women, and I'm sure you've heard of both of them, but one of them, uh, her name was Pearl Coran, and she's a saint. she was from St. Louis, and she wrote under the name Patience Worth, and she claimed that she channeled poetry and stories yeah. from an entity named Patience Worth. Well, she was friends with a woman, and actually a, a woman named Emily Grant Hutchings, another St. Louis housewife who was a bit younger than her, but Emily was the one who first brought a spirit board over and first dragged um, Pearl to a, a seance. Emily claimed to have gone to a seance and had a medium tell her that the ghost of Mark Twain had been waiting for her and that he had a message for her. When she sat down at the table and touched the planchet, the ghost of Mark Twain said, I want you to be my scribe. Everyone here is looking for a scribe, meaning everyone over there on the other side is mm -hmm. looking for a scribe, and I want you to be mine. So she went on painstakingly with a medium herself and then occasionally the aid of her husband to channel an entire novel called <laughs> Jack Harrell, which is supposed to have been written by Mark Twain via the Ouija board. Wow. And there's just all these wonderful details. And I tried to include as much of her original introduction and excerpts from her original introduction to the story in the book, because that's how I learned what the provenance of this creation was. You know, this novel channeled by the Ouija, but then she's got all these fantastic details in there, like, you know, how they had to eventually put an apostrophe because Twain was getting impatient that they weren't, that he had to spell out all the words and couldn't do any contractions. I mean, they actually like say <laughs> things like that. It's like they turned it into a typewriter, basically a spirit board typewriter, right? Paranormal typewriter. So uh, very exciting. So it's just this amazing story. And then you have some, you know, interesting facts about her. Um, there's some evidence to suggest that she had met or at least had corresponded with Twain on more than one occasion. Mm. and that she was a fan of his work. Um, the greatest part, perhaps, is that what she, they put this out. It's getting publicity. Um, Twain, or Samuel Clemens' daughter, catches wind of it, as does his publisher, and they immediately shut it down. The publisher half they threaten to sue. The publisher then has to pull the book from the stands mm -hmm. and basically burn all the copies. But, of course, they didn't burn all of them because if you look in... Gutenberg, there's a scanned facsimile of an original novel that made it out into the stands, be, you know, in before it got yanked. Yeah. So there's a few copies out there. I've never seen one in person myself. I have. I'm always kind of looking and hoping one day I'll stumble upon one. But the idea that um, she was it a publicity stunt? If it was, it was brilliant. Now keep in mind too. At the same time, her friend Pearl had gained great notoriety 
by um, channeling this Patience Worth. And in fact, Patience Worth was named to be like Poet Laureate uh, one of the years in like 1917 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So her friend is getting all this notoriety. So she's seeing that it's working for her. Um, But perhaps Emily's mistake was trying to identify it as belonging to a famous person. But then again, perhaps her story is completely true. And she herself kind of, you know, um, was telling the truth or believed at least that that's what was happening. But uh, it's just a fascinating story. And there are many instances where women found a way out of the confines of their kind of situation and went on, the Fox sisters went on to become quite wealthy. Eventually they drank themselves to death and then they approved charlatan. Still, they had a good thing going on. (laughs) They had some celebrity in their time and they were actually betrayed by a family member. That's how they were outed. Um, The cousin and the the oldest sister who managed them came out and then they couldn't denounce it. And after that, they tried to and they couldn't. And then the two sisters who were the ones who did most of the performing were both um, became alcoholics and died um, penniless and, uh, and young. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's such an interesting era, as you said, the Victorian going into the Edwardian and even it spiritualist movement really kind of tapered off in the, probably like the early thirties, but from like 1840 to 1930, there was this movement of like household seances. It's very, um, very interesting. That's when the, you know, community Lilydale was formed and, there were a lot of interesting characters that were interested in the spiritualist movement that were also suffragists and women's rights advocates and abolitionists. So there's a really rich history to it when you start digging into it. There is. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my favorite part. I, I really, I kept, I just kept learning about people and then, you know, you read it you talk to somebody and then they tell you another name. And then you know, it's just sort of this like endless rabbit warren of all these characters who right. overlapped knew each other and um, swapped stories and sat at seances together. It's really, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> do, you, do you find it intriguing where you, where you, you know, you start on, on one story and, and then the, and you find out a little bit more and, and it takes you somewhere else and it just keeps leading. It's like, you know, it's going down that rabbit hole. You keep going, and you get get so far away from the first story. Sometimes it's difficult to get back there again. So that's why you need an editor right there. That's why you need an editor, because yeah. writers can't control themselves. Everybody knows that. Um, well, you know what was the really most magical thing about this book? And um, not trying to brag or anything, but this was a very magical thing that happened. I quite you know when I asked people what their stories were going to be. Or what they're or to tell me their stories. I had no idea what their stories were going to be until they started to tell them to me. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they gave me a little teaser in an email. I'm going to tell you about a haunted tarot deck or something like that, but not really any. I didn't know what the story was. So as each story came to me, it, that was sort of the last part of the book. I had, you know, the, the, the skeleton of the rest of the book going, and there were experiences I had had that I was kind of writing out and a little more research. And like I like you said, you know, the rabbit Warren kind of thing, but each story, it's like, it fits. If somebody told me the story about this child ghost and I had been writing about the curious case of the haunted toothbrush and the haunted nursery, <laughs> that was in the beginning chapter. And then I had a friend who um, told me about the child ghost. She had been, um, 
haunted by. And so those, so then this person's contributed story just sort of fit right into that. And then I had this beautiful story by Ralph Adams Cram that I really wanted to include. It's the only full length, short, short little, um, old horror story. And he was this really interesting character who was an architect. And it's this wonderful story that's set in Paris. And then and Jeff Belanger shared a story with me, and his story was set in Paris. And I was like, I know exactly where this is going to go. You know, these things just kind of um, fell together really nicely. And it was very magical to find that these stories that were being shared with me just sort of fit into their own. At first, I thought they would all be in their own chapter and be like the contributor story cha- chapter. And it didn't <laughs> end up that way at all. They're they're woven throughout. And so I believe Ron's kind of comes on uh, along with... Um, some of the talk about Ouija boards and um, I'm trying to find. Yeah. yeah I think haunted pot houses. Yeah. 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 The, the house. Yeah. <laughs> on Cole's pot house. chapter on haunted pot houses. <laughs> yeah. People okay. actually see things. Okay. I'm just saying. All <laughs> right. Anyway. Okay. Uh, it, it's, no, it's, no, here it is. It's right here. Ron Cole's pot house. And it, it comes right after um, it's in that, it's actually in my favorite chapter. It's in the chapter about sort of the spiritualist movement. And I talk about, I talk about the, the channeled story. And then I talk about Lily Dale. And then I talk about Emily and Isaac post. And then I t- start talking about, and then the next thing is, is that an EVP? Are you just happy to see me? <laughs> <laughs> then that's the intro for Ron. And then Ron Cole's thought house follows because it does have, um, it has it's it's humorous, but it's also completely authentic, and it's yes, it not is. to do with a woman's um, experience with the Ouija board. So it's mm-hmm. right in there. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She Give also did. She did automatic writing as well, which kind of was good too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. But, the yes. woman in the pot house. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Do we? Yeah, we don't want to give it away, but it's it's pretty great what she was really after. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> I've heard the story, so I'm not going to say anything. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, we, don't want, yeah. we want people to buy the book and read it. That's yeah, right. It's a, it's a fun book. It, yeah. it's, even if you've heard this story before, you can read it because there are so many other good stories in there and good illustrations. And, and Valoran, just, she just goes with places that I like to go. So it's just, it's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Like-minded. We are like-minded. What is it? Great minds run in the same gutter. That's right. Yeah. That's how it goes. <laughs> is that a saying somewhere? I think it's, it's not, an old so much room saying. down here. There's no. only, you know, it's only up from here, Ron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so uh, some of your other books, have, you, you, you've written quite a few. And, and, and like I mentioned earlier in the beginning of the show, two of my favorites would be on Bazaar and the Book of Bazaar, which was great. And then you had the Mermaid book, which was a lot of fun. And I know you've got a couple more, too, but I can't think of them offhand. Yeah. Why don't you fill us in? Banshees, Werewolves, and Vampires. Oh, another yes, that's right. of the Night. Yes. Uh, and then Fairies, Pukas, and Changelings. Ah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, and if people are interested to find out more about Yuvala, how can they do that? Uh, no, you can go to your nearest police station <laughs> <laughs> and uh, look for my mugshot. Now, it's varlaventura.net, just my name.net. And then you can also find me. I'm relatively active on Facebook. Um, that's where I put a lot of links to 
shows and then also on on my website Varla Ventura I try and keep that up with um, new episodes of my podcast which is far behind uh, appearances on marvelous shows such as you yours do a podcast? how come I do not know you do a podcast um, well I started it at the beginning of of um, excuse me I started at the beginning of ooh, I guess I guess I started in the fall of last year, and oh, wow. I did it with a friend um, or a, a companion who, you know, we, we went into this agreement together, and he was the producer. Mm-hmm. And then for health reasons, he was no longer able to continue it. And so we, were, we, we recorded and, um, you know, available on iTunes, I think, four episodes. Oh, cool. um, the fifth and sixth episodes are currently on my laptop waiting to be edited because I have learned many things about myself. One, I'm not particularly technically inclined. And two, <laughs> I need accountability. So, um, you know, put me in a room. And uh, give me a pen and a pad of paper. And a contract. And you're going to get nothing. <laughs> give me a contract and a deadline, <laughs> and I'm going to be prolific. And it's, the, it's that fear of not getting it done and that accountability that I, w- I am currently lacking. So I'm, I'm in the market for that. I'm in the market for somebody to tell me what to do, which is rare. Yeah. Um, but I have a couple of episodes that are coming in. So the, here's the concept. The concept is it's the, the podcast itself is called Varla Ventura's Tales of the Strange, and season one is Strange America. And so eventually I will get to you, Ron, but I'm going state by state and interviewing people who have had experiences or curate strange museums or have made movies or documentaries or written books about strange monsters or things that are related to that state. For example, um, for Arkansas, I had Seth Breedlove, and he came on and he talked about the Bogey Creek Monster. For Arizona, I had the head of the museum of the curator of the Museum of Pharmacology at the University of Arizona, where oh. they have a jar of John Dillinger's gum. So there's sort of interesting, yeah, so kind of all over the place, right? So it's almost like the book of the bazaar in travel form, state by state, right? <laughs> Um, so I have a nice, I have a wonderful list of people that I want to interview and several amazing people who have agreed to be interviewed. I just um, am lacking some of the technical skills and follow through currently to make that happen. So now that my new book is out and I'm not currently, I'm starting to map out a new manuscript, but I'm not currently like engrossed in the process of a manuscript. Um, this summer, I hope to get at least three or four new episodes in the can and get them up. That's good. Beautiful. Wow. That's the plan. And and, and people can find that on your Valor Ventura page? Yep. Yep. There's a link to it there. It just says, like, about the podcast or Tales of the Strange is what it is. And and I've got some, a few things I'm changing about it. Um, I've got somebody scoring some cool music for me um, and, and doing some art and stuff like that. So I'm trying to evolve it a little bit, probably a little bit too much. Uh, yeah. The first episodes are up there. Um, you know, a, a couple of them are really, really uh, interviewed this wonderful woman in Alaska who ended up sort of spilling the beans about black dogs and all kinds of exciting things. So um, it, it turns out that I really like being the person asking the questions instead of always answering them. So that was nice surprise. Really? Yeah, I know. You'd think I wouldn't shut up enough, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> But anyway, so uh, 
Uh, any new projects coming up? I know this one's just out, so, but yep. have you got anything yeah, in the works? Just out. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to kind of decide what the next project's going to be, and um, currently I am really leaning toward Pirates. Ah, we love pirates. We love pirates. <laughs> I know, right? We do. And how, what a lovely companion that would be to the mermaid book, right? Yes. I mean, a little box set. Yes. <laughs> like I see it already, a box set with a nice little sort of like map that wraps around with a sea serpent on it, you know. Uh, you <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Very That's... treasures to when somebody can put clues in the book and if they go through all the book, you find the things they can find the treasure and Get the, and get, and the, get the grand prize. Yeah, the the one dollar yeah. gold coin. <laughs> what, do you, what, do you, what do you call those things? Uh, bits. Uh, what are they? Booty? No, the, the stuff they they have internet money. Oh, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin. there you go. You know, yeah. Bitcoin. I don't think that's real. I refuse to accept that. I know it's <laughs> craziness. And Viola, you cut your hair. Wasn't what? your hair longer? Yes, it's actually longer again. Oh, it is. Yes. Well, it's a, it's not as long as it was, but I'm growing it back out. I don't know how long that will last, but yes, I I've had it very short for a number of years, very okay. short and very spiky and very blonde. Um, but it's, it's growing. It's kind of purple I, and blonde <laughs> right now. I'm no, I hopped on your hopped on your website and I saw the picture of you and it's gorgeous and um. I didn't. Last time I saw you, we you had done a little video for us, but it was a couple of years ago, so I didn't realize that you had the short hair. Any Lennox look going? Yeah. Well, that video though. Oh, you mean where my hair is long and blue? (laughs) That was yeah. That was that was probably was probably three years ago. Yeah. 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 She isn't that young. I mean, old. I mean. No, she didn't say she was old. It was about three years ago. You're right. It was two, at least two. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Anyways, there's the uh, the the doorbell, which means pizza from the dead is here. We've got to wrap yeah. up the show. We want to thank you. It's always awesome talking to you. And and check out uh, Vala's website to learn more than you ever want to know about her. And uh, pick up her book, Vala Ventura's Paranormal Power: Ghosts, Seances, and Tales of True Hauntings. That's so. right. Well, thank you both so much for having me again. It's so much fun to talk to you. So and welcome. It was great. Yeah, yeah you say that to all the hosts of the radio you're on. I know that. I do, but I mean yeah. it this See, time. See, I know that. <laughs> I really mean it. I really mean it now. Yeah, I really <laughs> mean it this time. Of course I, of course I mean it. Oh, yeah. So, anyways, thank you, Valor, and uh, keep up the good work, and I can't wait to see what you come out with next. Thank Pirate you. sounds fun, though. I know. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Ant. Oh, okay. you're welcome. Yeah. Bye. Good night. Bye. <laughs> Wow, that was pretty good, huh? Yes. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to get this book. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, they, they're supposed to send us the. I'm sorry you didn't get it for the show. Uh, anyways, uh, I, I do want to mention that, of course, uh, don't forget Spirit Quest is coming up, and Anne will be there with her the, in search of the missing epitaph. Yes. Yes, sir. And I'm excited. So find out all about Spirit Quest. Go to my website, anyghostproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. Or you can go on to Facebook and Spirit Quest 2018 in search of. And there's a whole page of that stuff there. So it's, there you go. You're going to love it. You're going to love yeah. it. I can't wait. 
There's the music. We have to go. Right. Well, so, we'll talk to you again time, next week. Will yeah. you be drinking this week? Next week? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I should be done with my uh, my antibiotics. for you. Thank you. Please do. <laughs> Thank you. So good night and God bless everyone. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.